Welcome to the You Can Tell the Children podcast, a place where sharing God's word with the next generation in your circle of influence can be simple, easy, and fun. We know that intentionally teaching children about God and the relevancy of his word will be a game changer in their homes, schools, and communities. This podcast is a ministry of Bible to School, experts in engaging children with the word of God. Together, we will make sure that you can tell the children about the love of Jesus. Ready, set, let's go. Hi, friends. Welcome back to the You Can Tell the Children podcast. I'm your host, Meredith Steidler, and you're listening to episode number 87. Have you heard conversations about global warming and wondered, is this something to be legitimately concerned about? Our guest today, Jessica Jaworski, is from Answers in Genesis, where she enjoys teaching environmental science and biology in high school labs and explore programs at the Creation Museum and Ark Encounter in Kentucky. She's going to discuss the top five reasons why we don't have to be afraid of climate change. If you and your loved ones get a kick out of science, we have four other Answers in Genesis episodes that you'd absolutely love to hear. I'll link those episodes in the show notes. So to get to our show notes, go to BibleToSchool.com. That's Bible, the number two, school.com. And click on the resources tab to find our podcast. While you're there, you might as well subscribe to our show so you don't miss an episode. Are there children in your circle of influence who don't know Jesus as their savior and friend? Did you know that you can be the bridge to bring a Bible to school program to your community so that more children hear the gospel? If you head on over to our website and click on the contact us tab, We would love to get this conversation started. Ready to hear why you don't need to be afraid of climate change? Join my conversation with Jessica now. Well, welcome, Jessica Jaworski from Answers in Genesis. It's so good to see you today. Thank you for having me on the podcast today. Absolutely. I would just love for you to tell our listeners a little about yourself, including what you look forward to the most about the weekends. Sure. I'm an education specialist at Answers in Genesis, so I have the opportunity to teach our high school labs that we have, the biology and the environmental science ones at the Creation Museum and the Ark Encounter. And then I'm also part of our Explore programs, which are a, uh, a science a workshop where we teach a variety of science topics in a hands-on interactive way all from a biblical worldview. And those are either day programs or we also offer camps for those. So the ones that I teach are environmental science, biology, and then a brand new drone one, which I'm excited about. And then I also speak in our Discover um, series that we have at the museum. And then I'm a a co-host for our brand new podcast geared towards young adults called Zero Compromise that we have. So that's exciting. Wow. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. Very on cool. the weekends, I like outdoorsy things. So anytime I get to be out in God's creation is fun, especially hiking. And then just when I have the opportunity to spend time with friends and family and just be among the body of Christ at church on Sundays. So those are the types of things I look forward to on the weekend. Awesome. It sounds like you're very busy. <laughs> yes, the ministry for sure keeps me busy. <laughs> but it sounds fun and like an awesome thing. And we're going to learn a little bit more about that. You mentioned the drone class that you're going to start offering. And I noticed in your bio that you're a certified commercial drone pilot. First of all, that sounds super awesome, but what does it mean and what do you do with it? Yeah, it is awesome. I love it. So I'm a commercial drone pilot, which means I get to fly drones commercially for a business. I had to go through a special training in order to obtain that certification through the Federal Aviation Administration. They have something called a Part 107 regulation in order to obtain that certification. So you have to go through training and a test. And I was operating a drone for a state natural resource department uh, as a waterfowl research scientist. So I was studying ducks 
And we were using a very fancy, very expensive drone to fly to duck nests and pick up their thermal signatures while they were sitting on a nest using a very fancy um, thermal camera. And so that was a lot of fun. I got to do that. And now I'm currently using my drone certification in our Explore program. So we have a brand new drone Explore program that's going to kick off here in the spring. April is our first one. We have two different ones. We have ones for 11 to 18-year-olds, ones for adults. And I'm going to be teaching about drone technology, flight safety. Participants will be able to build a drone and take one home and just showcasing how we can use drones for the glory of God. Wow. That is way more than I expected and super cool. And just so our listeners know, there's going to be all the information of how you can actually go to see what she's talking about in our show notes. So do not fear. Speaking of not fearing, uh, Jessica wrote an article not so long ago called Climate Alarmism, Five Reasons Not to Panic About Climate Change. So this caught my attention right away because this is a huge topic right now. You know, the winters don't seem to be as cold. Where's all the snow that we're used to getting, at least in the part of Pennsylvania where I am? And even kids are asking, is this a bad thing? So Jessica, if you had to summarize an answer to the question, should I be afraid of climate change in one or two sentences, going to make it a challenge for you. <laughs> what would you say? I'm not sure I could do it in one to two sentences, <laughs> but I'll, I'll try. So the the article was a collaborative article by myself and Avery Foley, who is a writer at Answers in Genesis as well. And Mm -hmm. I would say, no, we don't need to panic about climate change because God's word gives us the confidence to know that God is both author and sustainer of his creation. Mm -hmm. Um, We see that from the very first verse. So Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Psalm 24 also says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness therein. And then in Genesis 8:22 it also says he promises that as long as the earth remains seed time and harvest cold and heat summer and winter day and night shall not cease so when we look to God's word we can be confident that he is both author and sustainer of his creation in regards to climate change. Amen. <laughs> I love that answer and it was more than a sentence but I will accept it. <laughs> yeah. I should I should also elaborate too it's important to define what we mean by when we say climate change as well. Climate is the average weather conditions over a long period of time, and climates are dynamic systems, so they do fluctuate. And when people use the word climate change in the media or in institutions, they're mostly referring to what they would consider man-made climate change or global warming. Um, And it's often fear-based because they believe people are destroying the earth as a result, and it's causing changes in our climate to the point where the earth won't be habitable. But that is contrary to what we see laid out in God's word when he tells us he is the author and sustainer of creation. Got it. Thank you for that clarification. So back to your article, there are five reasons not to panic. So would you just walk us through as briefly as possible? It's all really good stuff. And I'm sure you could say a whole bunch to everything. But the first reason not to panic, fossil fuels lift nations from poverty. Tell me a little about that. Yes. So I want to explain what fossil fuels are. I'll try to do that briefly first. Fossil fuels are derived from buried remains of plants and animals, and they contain a large amount of carbon that produces energy when they're burned. And the global worldwide flood, as described in God's word, provides a consistent explanation for the rapid burial of plants and animals. So large amounts of those plant debris that were swept away during the flood became buried to form our coal beds, 
And then changes in temperature and pressure also gave us our oil and our natural gas, which are all collectively fossil fuels. And so to me, our coal and oil reserves actually serve as a reminder of God's goodness, because even though God judged the world through a global worldwide flood, he also provided these resources that we use today to heat our our homes. So it's incredible and amazing. Mm. And God has commanded people to exhibit dominion over his creation as well. We see that in Genesis 1.26. So we want to be wise in how we steward the fossil fuel resources that he has blessed us with, but we want to do it for his glory as well as the benefit of our neighbor, which leads into the poverty issue too. Fossil fuels provide inexpensive and reliable energy, and they can help nations grow in their economies and lift them from poverty. There's a lot of nations around the world that are burning dung and wood to heat their homes, which you can imagine causes a lot of adverse health effects. So when countries have the resources to produce their own energy, it helps them develop and uh, provides them with a better situation. Ah, so good. That's so good. And I love that we can focus on a better approach versus being negative on, oh, these fossil fuels and all the harm it's doing. It's really good to be educated about this stuff. It's really good. I was going to say, um, there's a lot of push to use alternative and renewable energies as well, and such as wind and solar. And those can be good and they can be used as a supplementary source of energy, but those energy sources are often expensive. So for example, most people in a third world country are not going to have the resource or the ability to buy something like an electric car. And so many of the materials that are also needed to build those alternative energies require materials that are rare and they need fossil fuels to extract and to ship them. And they're often dependent upon environmental fluctuations too. So extreme temperature changes or adverse weather effects could influence how those um, Mm. alternative energies function. So we're called to also worship the creator, not the creature, as Romans 1 tells us. So we shouldn't be exalting the earth above people who are made in the image of God. Um, Mm. And in the command to love our neighbor, we should want to provide people the ability to produce their own energy, which will protect them from fluctuating uh, climates and adverse weather impacts. Wow. Really great point. All right. So number two, second reason not to panic. Warmer is better. Yeah, I love this. Please tell me more. How is this though? Scientists, I think it's important to remember that scientists often make predictions about past climate through something called proxy data. And um, something like an ice core extraction is an example of a proxy data. But we actually don't know all the details of what happened in the past climate if we weren't there to directly observe them. But there are historical records such as artifacts and things like that that we extract that indicate there were several warm periods that happened in the past, such as something called the medieval warm period. This occurred approximately between 8900 and 1300, in which we find that people were able to farm on Greenland, which is an area that is currently covered in ice. Wow. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty amazing. So it's an indication that there were periods of time when parts of the earth were significantly warmer than they are now because climates naturally fluctuate. Huh. Wow, that is so interesting. That actually blows my mind. (laughs) Let's pause right now and take a question from one of our Bible to School kids. Does God control sin? What a great question. Does God control sin? As part of our lesson on prayer, we have our children read Philippians, 4, 6, in which they read, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. While there may be a mystery surrounding the relationship between God's sovereignty and sin, we can be at peace knowing that we can take any question, any worry, any anxiety to God, and He will in turn give us peace 
and comfort. So then down to the third reason, number three, why we're not panicking about climate change. And this is a good one. I probably could have guessed this actually myself. Panic drives bad decisions. Yes, yes, they certainly can. Panic does uh, drive bad decisions. Christians ultimately are called to be discerning. Proverbs 17, 24 says, the discerning sets his face towards wisdom, but the eyes of a fool are on the ends of the earth. Mm -hmm. So when governments try to persuade the public or mandate climate policies, we should be quick to uh, be cautious and to ask, why is this occurring? And um, policies like the Paris Climate Agreement or the Green New Deal are political incentives um, to reduce carbon emissions um, and fossil fuel use by also increasing alternative energies. But we know that those cost a lot of money and uh, policymakers that are basing these decisions on uh, changes are often basing them on models that are used to predict climate change. But these models, unfortunately, don't necessarily reflect real world observational data. So good to know. And who would have thought that? I mean, I just oftentimes read articles and I trust what I hear, but sometimes there's a little bit more to the data than what is being shown. So thank you for that helpful information. And really, perspective does change everything. So our fourth reason then not to panic, the models are wrong. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of people actually don't know that that these models that are used to predict the the changes within these policies are often often do have a bias in them. So I want to state that global global warming, this is a a baseline definition for it, but it it changes depending upon the research you look at or the scientists that you ask. But generally, global warming is the overall warming of the Earth's surface over an extended period of time. And scientists are able to take land-based temperature measurements at weather stations, and we have been since around 1880. Measuring the Earth's global surface temperature, though, is not easy because these weather stations are not global and those areas often fluctuate in their temperatures. So this could change the readings for these stations as well. So in order to combat that, scientists tried to have been using satellite data in order to get a more robust reading of what's going on with our um, global surface temperature. And those values um, that we get from those global surface temperatures from satellite represent something called climate sensitivity. This is the amount the average global atmospheric surface temperature will rise in response to a doubling of atmospheric carbon dioxide. So they're estimated from something called computer climate models. And these computer climate models provide predictions on parameters people input into these models. So people are inputting parameters into these models in order to make predictions about the climate, which means they don't necessarily reflect the real world observational data that's happening with the satellites. So Mm. climate scientists have conducted research um, that's comparing what's happening with these climate models versus the real world observational data that we get from the satellites. And um, in some of these studies, um, they're showing that the climate models are over predicting the actual warming compared to what we are observing in the observational data from the satellites. That is such helpful information. Why doesn't everyone know this? Yes. I mean, it's important. Those things should be considered when we're making these climate policies as well. If there is a bias that's going on, then it needs to be considered when we make political changes that could have far-reaching impacts across a lot of nations. Agreed. Wow. Okay. So down to the fifth and final reasons not to panic about climate change. Warmer equals greener. Tell me more. Yes. Um, There's many positives to an increase in carbon dioxide. So carbon dioxide is often touted as a harmful pollutant, but it is very critical to maintain life on Earth. And we see there are examples of an increase or a doubling in carbon dioxide that has great helpful benefits to a lot of plant life, especially. So an increase in carbon dioxide can decrease plant stress. 
an increased crop yield, which is great because a lot of people consume those crops for food. So that means more food for people. So those are wonderful positive impacts that an increase in carbon dioxide can have that is often not um, talked about. That's awesome. (laughs) Yay, I will take those positives anytime. And I feel encouraged just by these five reasons not to fear. And, you know, at the end of the day, Jessica, these debates are great. They're fun. You know way more about this topic than I do. I am sure there's lots of listeners who are just eating up your words and want to go back and forth. And I know Answers in Genesis, this is like what you do. So I would encourage our listeners to go check out the Creation Museum and hear more from Jessica. Am I right? Yes, absolutely. We would love to have you come down to the Creation Museum. Yeah. And I also just want to put a plug in there. You listed so many Bible verses that are encouraging to my heart that go along with this topic. And really at the end of the day, what I need to tell myself is I know God's word is true. And he tells us what you quoted in the beginning of our time together about while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will not cease. So that's from Genesis. So while we should definitely, you said this too, steward the earth well and our resources well, it sounds like to me that God's got this no matter what. Yes, absolutely. We can we can stand in confidence knowing that his word is not changing yeah. and that he tells us that he is the author and sustainer of his creation and we can we can hold confidence in that. Praise God. And also, you've probably heard this before and I haven't gone through scripture and counted myself, but I've heard that there's 365 fear nots in scripture, which is one one for every single day. Like that's our God of details and That's just encouraging to me because, okay, maybe climate change isn't my biggest fear, but it speaks to it, right? Like Mm -hmm. today has enough worries of its own. Don't go worrying about tomorrow, right? It's just such a reminder, again, like you said, that God's in control. I'm not. That's a good thing. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. So ultimately, I think it boils down to, though, trust, right? Like, do I actually believe that God's plans are better than my own? not just for my life, also for this earth. He's in the details and his ways really are higher than mine. Yeah, absolutely. We talk a lot about the false rhetoric of of neutrality here at the ministry. And we talk about worldview, that all scientists have a worldview and it informs how they do science. You're either gonna be for man's word or for God's word. And man's Mm. word is fluctuating, but God's word is not. It's authoritative and it's unchanging. And so we can stand on the authority of God's word in the midst of any science that we're looking at. There's always going to be a new science book, a new graph, a new chart, yeah. a new claim about the climate changing or whatever it may be. But we can stand on the authority of God's word, knowing that his word is unchanging. And that is the objective standard by which we conduct science or by which we discern claims about climate change or anything else like that. You know, that's so good. And this whole time I'm thinking about Hebrews 13, 8, because it is a Bible verse we teach our third grade at Bible to school. And it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, which is exactly what you're saying. I love that. Yes. Amen. Yeah. So Jessica, with your time at AIG, Answers in Genesis, do you have any favorite God stories or anything you'd like to share with our listeners today? There's a lot of things that happen at AIG on a daily basis that I'm just so blessed to be a part of the ministry. But I think some of the favorite things that I get to hear are just from other speakers and their interactions with the guest when there's maybe somebody who's struggling, who comes in and shares what happened in their life and how an Answers in Genesis resource truly helped them to solidify that they needed to be standing on the authority of God's word, or maybe they had questions or doubts or wrestled with assurance. But when they were looking to God's word and they were able to then just trust it and and have a delight in it. And I think those are some of the most exciting things that I get to hear and be a part of for the ministry. So I love hearing things like that. 
Oh, that's so awesome. Well, do you have one main word of encouragement or advice you'd like to leave our listeners with today? Sure. I guess I would say study God's word. I mean, that sounds that sounds cliche, but it's it's just so incredibly important. And God's word is the objective standard. It can be trusted. We talked about how Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he will remain that way forever. And so that's, there's so much joy. There's so much hope. And we don't need to look to self or to a new science claim, but we can stand on the objective standard of God's word and trust that he, he is truthful in what he says. He can be trusted and we can trust in the finished work of what his son did for us on the cross. And it gives Mm. us such a confidence, such an assurance moving forward to remain steadfast in that. Mm, Amen. So I'm hearing a lot of what you're saying. I think I can draw this conclusion that faith and science, they go hand in hand. They're not separate. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Praise yeah. the Lord. Science at its root means knowledge. And where do we get knowledge? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So it's important, again, to look to God's word when we conduct science. Look how God just brought that all around for us. <laughs> That's so cool. Jessica, would you bless our time and just close us in prayer today? Yes, absolutely. I would love to. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you so very much for this day that you have blessed us with God. Thank you, Lord, for your word, and thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, that he died on the cross for us and paid the penalty for our sin, Lord. What a joy that is, and we thank you so very much for it. Thank you, Lord, that you are author and sustainer of this creation and that we can look to you and stand in the authority of your word and trust you when you tell us that you are author and sustainer of your creation, that we need not panic with claims of climate change or other different science topics, Lord. And we just thank you for that. I thank you for the opportunity to be on this podcast. I pray that you would bless it and anybody that listens to it, Lord, would just trust in your word and would trust in your son as their savior. And we thank you for this day. And we pray this in your precious son's name. Amen. Amen. Well, I just learned a whole lot in a little bit of time with Jessica from Answers in Genesis. I think the most encouraging fact I'm left with today is that we can stand on the authority of God's word, knowing that it's unchanging, just like him. I'm so thankful with God in control, I don't have to fear a thing, including climate change. What are your thoughts on all this? Do you have comments or questions related to climate change? We would love to hear from you. If you head over to Bible to School on Facebook or Instagram, you can comment on this podcast episode. We love to engage with our listeners. Don't forget to check out today's show notes on our website, BibleToSchool.com. That's Bible, the number two, school.com. And click on the resources tab. You'll find all the scriptures mentioned today, links to the Creation Museum and Ark Encounter, and our other podcast episodes that talk about science. Thanks for joining us today, friends. And don't forget to stop in here next week to take a compassionate glimpse into poverty. Until then, enjoy the warm weather. And remember, you can tell the children about Jesus.